Check, check, check. Hey, listeners. Jomar here. Thank you for listening to a Sunday kind of podcast. This one's coming to you on a Thursday. (laughs) I think that's okay. We can break the rules a little bit. I wanted to record this because... Honestly, just because I've been craving a different way to create, I like to play around, I like to change things up, and, you know, I've been, there's been this inner nudge to just share about what's going on for me recently, and what's been real, what's been true, what's been fun, what's been challenging, and let's see you know this week has been interesting um i'm grateful to be coming back to work this week after going to a coaching retreat last week Uh, i'm grateful because it's a you know it's nice to be back in routine it's nice to back with the family to be back with them and to feel their love and their presence again and to have some joy Uh, last week was pretty intense Um, sort of what happens when you go to a retreat like that right you kind of go inward and ruffle up some things that live in the unconscious that that live deep in the heart and uh, when you do that it's kind of tough Um, But I think it's, one, necessary for my growth, and it's also necessary for for me to be a good coach to folks. Uh, So for those of you who don't know, I am a coach. I coach high performers. I coach a lot of guys and a lot of effective and really powerful women. And uh, I help them feel into a sense of ease and freedom as they achieve whatever they want to achieve in their life. So, you know, that's why I went to the retreat last week. I went there because I wanted to improve my craft. And part of that is going deep into places uh, that I want to go, that I need to go. Um, to serve myself well and my family well and my clients well. So, yeah, this week has felt, you know, sort of a coming out of that place. And um, I just a uh, feeling back into what's normal, what's reality. So I've been grateful for that. Today... What I want to share with you a little bit about is this idea of the ego and putting a spin of the Enneagram to the ego, you know, whatever that might be, whatever that might, however that might play out today. So that's what I wanted to talk about. And by the end of today, you'll know a little bit about, a little bit more about how I think the ego really works 
how the Enneagram can be a helpful and transformative path and a mirror and a map to to uncovering some of our unconscious ego patterns. And you'll learn a little bit more, a quick deep dive into the nine different types. And then finally, I'll go through the three laws of behavior that can help you start to create more awareness about your way of being in the world and um, put you more in conscious choice about that state of being. And if we practice this enough, this is what I call freedom. This is what freedom feels like. Okay, let's dive in. So a little bit about what the ego is. So so if we kind of go back to what Sigmund Freud um, described as, as the ego in the psychoanalytic theory, it's this portion of the human psyche which is experienced as the self or the I. And it's this part of ourselves that's in constant contact with the outside world through how we perceive it, through our perception. So this is the part of us that remembers through memory, it evaluates, it plans, and in other ways it's responsive to and acts in the surrounding physical and social world. So in other words, it's that part of us that builds an armor to protect ourselves from the world. So we come into this world with this wonderful essence and innocence and beauty, right? As these young little babies, we're sort of untethered from what the world says we should be. So we come in feeling free and wide open. And then at some point, the world starts to shape us around who it says we need to be. So the ego, through our perception, through its perception, starts to create memories and starts to create patterns through our thinking and feeling and behaving so that we can um, create this framework. Um, this is, it's the role, right? We can create this role that we have to play in order to be accepted in our environments, right? It's the mechanism we developed to be seen, felt, or heard, right? The, the ego is the part of us that's in charge of this. So when I think about my, my son, Maxwell, right? In his essence, the way I perceive him, the way I observe him, he's this super tender, heart-centered dude, right? And he's creative, and he's soft, and he's adventurous, and he's full of joy and curiosity. He loves to explore. He loves to be messy. You know, he loves to make mistakes. He's very curious, Right, so there's this wonderful essence that he is and has, you know, he starts going to school, he's in first grade this year, and I'm sure there's some ways that some roles that he's picking up of who he needs to play in our family. Right? There there are these like ways that the ego now is developing for him. And one of those ways is like I can tell that he's he's learning how to play it cool. He's learning how to play it, you know, whatever that bit is that he's learning right now to the world where it doesn't feel like he can be as emotional 
right? So there's this sort of like very subtle suppression, especially depending on who he's with, of, of how he's feeling to play it cool. And so that's that's sort of what the ego does, right? It, it has to do that. It has to create that armor so that that part of himself, part of ourselves, part of myself can be preserved. So the ego, you know, it um, it means well, right? It it the it gets such a bad rap. Um, I think that the ego, you know, is is this thing that that gets in our way. But I truly believe that the ego um, is necessary. There's this quote by Carl Jung. It says he says the first half of life is devoted to forming a healthy ego and the second half of life is going inward and letting go of it so the first you know that first half of life and forming a healthy ego that's so necessary for us to navigate you know through the world to start to feel accepted and to to have a sense of belonging um, so these patterns of the ego is really healthy and there you know there's a wise teacher that once told me that in order to truly integrate or become healthier versions of ourselves, we must develop this healthy ego and really start to see it as not the enemy, but simply this sort of like layer of ourself that we've constructed to survive. It's that, that mechanism that was necessary. So it's not something, the ego, as we evolve and adjust and grow, it's not something that needs to be slain like a dragon, but it's it's sort of this slow and gradual process to accept it um to to embrace it to love on it so that so that it starts to relax you know it starts to strip itself of that need to defend itself and in that process you know once it starts to relax and once it starts to let go of that need to control, we can come back to our essence, which is what Carl Jung said the second half of life is about. You know, it's it's the going inward and letting go of it so we can come back to that inner child. So this is why I think the Enneagram is so helpful. It's probably one of the most helpful, if not the most, the best tool out there if you really work with it, sincerely work with it as the as this path inward and surrender that Carl Jung talks about. And then again, for those of you out there who doesn't know what the Enneagram is, the Enneagram is this sort of rich framework that mirrors back to us nine different patterns, nine different models of the human experience. Enneagram means... In Greek, it means um, enia, means nine. Gram means symbol or figure. And within these nine types, um, they have its own core motivation, its focus of attention, its um, you know common behaviors. And what I think that's really different about the Enneagram is it does really surface up our core motivations of why we do the things we do. So, 
here's sort of the nine types that um, that you might find yourself in. Um, I'll start with the body center, and I'll talk more about the centers of intelligence in another in another time. For today, just all you need to know is there's three centers of intelligence within the Enneagram, the body, the heart, and the head. And for today, I'll start with the body triad, which is type 8, 9, and 1. So type 8 is what they call the challenger, the protector. It's driven by motivation for control and power. And oftentimes, type 8s fear being controlled or manipulated by others. And their focus of attention lies on protecting their vulnerability and asserting themselves, often taking charge. So a lot of, a lot of what I admire about the type 8 is the bigness of um, energy and this sort of um, move towards sort of a protective stance that has them really uh, looking like a, a fantastic leader. And, you know, they, they often find themselves in leadership roles because of this. Um, and, you know, again, really what's under there is this is truth and innocence that's you know, that was lost as an inner child. And the ego needed to form this type to belong in the world. And so the... the um, that's the pattern for the type eight is to believe that the world, you know, needs, they need to show up in a world. Their basic view of the world is it's unjust and they need to protect themselves from it. The next one is type nine, the peacemaker, the mediator. And the, the gifts of this type is they are very they, they they their attention is about maintaining harmony and others needs and so they can really get a quick sense of what a group needs far ahead of anyone else and they understand what high performance honestly looks like for a team because they are so focused on what the needs are of others so that they, they want harmony and the shadow side of the type nine is they avoid conflict and tension. They often sort of go along to get along. So they often merge with the needs of others too much. And then that, in turn, they minimize their own desires. Um, so the deep motivation for the mediator is this, this sense of inner and outer peace. And the fear is conflict and disconnection. Um, and, and someday I'll, I'll expand more on each type and why that is, but for now that's sort of the, um, that's the, uh, the simple definition of, of, um, the mediator, the type, by the way, there's no way I can ever sum anyone up through, um, through a, a specific type, right? At the end of the day, you are the sort of authority of who you are. And there's no way in the world that anyone could ever be summed up in just one particular character trait. Um, and, you know, again, as I've worked with the Enneagram, that's what I love about this is once I come back to my home type, which I leave with the type, I lead with a type seven. Once I've um, come back to that home type, I do start to realize 
how dynamic it is because I start to see how I can move around the framework of the Enneagram and start to really f um, understand, you know, which types I I go when I'm stressed or which types I go when I'm secure and which types I borrow from. Um, and, and that's the, the sort of dynamism of the Enneagram once I've once you work with it and, and understand what your hope type it, home type is. And so the next type of the body triad is the type one, the perfectionist. And this will be the last type I discussed. I realized I'm out of time or <laughs> technically I could keep going, but I don't want to go that long. Um, so I'm just going to end with the body, um, the body triad today. Uh, the perfectionist is honestly some of the most principled people I know. They are so dedicated to doing things right, to doing things the right way, right? And, and so they're called sort of the perfectionist or the reformer. I actually like the reformer name better because they know, you know, if you think of the word reform, to reform they immediately have a sense of what something can be um, to have its 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 more perfect shape, right? So there is this strive for excellence that's unmatched by folks who um, lead with a type one. Um, they they take their duty seriously. You know, there's they're they're very much about duty before pleasure. And their motivation stems from a desire to be good and right and virtuous. There's this fear of making mistakes or being corrupt. And their attention usually, again, is, is focused on reform or improvement, often striving for excellence in themselves and others. Okay, so what about the Enneagram um, is helpful to start to develop, right? To start to create more expansion outside of ourselves. Well, once you start to come back to your home type, you'll start to map yourself to a type. You'll start to catch sort of these patterns of the way you think, what fears you have, the attention that you have, and the behaviors that you have. So this is where we go into the three laws of behavior. Right, The most important step to personal mastery is developing a good self-observer. So if we can create capacity to observe our behaviors, then we can be more conscious about how we show up. If we can create more capacity to observe where our attention goes, the energy goes, then we can have more awareness of it and we can manage um, ourselves or regulate ourselves and then cre start to create change. So really this is the basis of the three laws of behavior. Um, and again, once we understand the three laws of behavior, it'll help deepen our capacity to be more aware, to have better discernment, to just be more open, to have more receptivity to how we're showing up, which includes knowing when and how to take positive action or when to drop in and relax. So the first law of behavior is wherever attention and energy go, behavior follows. 
wherever attention and energy go, behavior follows, right? So if you are, for example, leading with a type one, if sort of the unconscious energy that you're going to is how things can be better or how things can be more excellent or if your attention is about avoiding mistakes, that's where the energy goes, then your behavior is going to follow that energy, right? Your behavior is going to be in doing. The doing is going to be more motivated by that energy. Um, so noticing that, pausing on that impulse and then allowing that to, to move through the body and then, um, and then, you know, being able to choose a new behavior. The second law of behavior is to change behavior requires self-observation of attention and energy, right? And this is such a practice, right? And this is again, why the Enneagram is helpful because it encourages self-observation it gives you a map to where your attention and energy goes and there are different practices for all the types that i'll go uh, that i'll talk about at some point um, but the second law right if you want to act differently if you want to change then you must have the ability to observe where your attention and energy goes and the enneagram gives you those patterns the last law, the third law of behavior, is while self-observation can be taught and becomes easier, it can never be habitual. Right? Let me say this again. Self-observation can be taught and it does become easier. It doesn't become habitual, meaning I'll never graduate from it. Right? This is why I meditate every day. This is why I stretch every day. This is why I practice mindfulness. Is because self-observation is, is a continuing lifelong practice. So again, if we want to participate in our growth, then um, committing to this practice of self-observation as a lifelong practice needs to be a part of it to change our behavior. All right, so that's it. I don't know how long I've gone. Let me see. Uh, okay, I've gone 20 minutes. I hope that's been a good 20 minutes for you. Um, hope there's been some value here. And in the email, you'll see ways in which I can work with you. If you're interested, I have group coaching programs. I have a men's group. And of course, there's the premium way to work with me, which is my is my one-on-one -on -one client. So if you're out there and uh, you're committed to development, or you're committed to you know creating something new, whether it's a business or a startup, or you're an entrepreneur, um, or creating something new in your relationship, any of that, um, I can help you with. Thanks again for listening. I hope this has been helpful and I'll talk to you all again soon. Cheers.